Joe and Sherry Freeman were here last November, and Joe just got home from the hospital yesterday. And uh, I asked if he would share his greeting by telephone, so we're going to see if he's home. How are you doing, brother? We're doing good. We're, we're staring at another storm. The Lord loves us. He just keeps sending us to lick the sunshine. But uh, we're doing okay in home safety from yesterday, and the transition into getting well mode has begun. So we're doing good. How well, are you doing? We're, we're doing well. We just heard a testimony from a, a young fellow, Austin, and we're thanking God for his exchange. And, and if you would, Jerry, would like to take a few minutes and say hi and share a bit about what your time here. This is the anniversary of you you two coming down here, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's the anniversary of that and a lot of good things that came out of it. I'm going to turn it to Cherry right now. She's going to kick it off. And hey, Austin, that's good stuff, that transparency. Is what made our conference. We'll tell you more about it, but that's what really made the the, the time down there so well invested, and, and, and it's continued to just reap uh, benefits. So, congratulations, and I applaud you for your courage. Amen. All right, here's Cherry. Hi, John. Hi, Cherry. Hi, everybody. Hi, Cherry. <laughs> I'm not used to speakerphone, so it's a little awkward for me, but just bear with me. Um, my time in DigiForge last year was life-changing. I grew up in a, a Bible conference grounds in New Jersey, which some of you are intimately familiar with. Um, the great-granddaughter of the founder heard about the victorious Christian life my whole life, and what I was hearing was... Uh, freedom in Christ, and what I was held to was legalism. And so we had to be perfect. We had to do all the right things, go to all the right schools, um, be involved in ministry or missions or something. But what I did not understand was that um, Jesus would have come to this earth for me specifically if I were the only one. I felt like he came for everybody, just a sort of generic thing, and didn't feel loved. And um, a lot of that was just the way that I grew up with a mother who was very, very critical and demanding. Um, and that shaped my life so much. And when Joe and I went down to Pigeon Forge last year, uh, it was very much of a last minute for the moment kind of thing, but it was certainly God prompted because it definitely changed our lives forever. The thing that stood out to me the most was the concept of the new path, and um, that was something that revolutionized my thinking because I had gone through a series of marriages, um, disastrous choices along the way, and felt pain and humiliation um, that I could never be good enough, never be perfect enough for God to really love me, that he just sort of put up with me. And that concept of a new path um, was amazing to me that that, that path was gone, that, that God says, what's been when I bring it up to him again and again and again in my um, humiliation and that was so freeing to me. Um, I had never really understood the co-crucifixion, co-burial, co, co, 
direction concept at all. Uh, even though I'm sure it was taught clearly, it just it didn't sink in. So all of those things changed my life drastically uh, and has changed the direction of our lives in wanting to reach out to other people who are enslaved in guilt and enslaved in self and free them from that through the power of the cross. I'm going to turn it over to Joe now, but thank you for the opportunity to talk with you all. And we wish like crazy that we were there. I just picture scenes of Pigeon Forge, like walking along the river there and stuff. And we're just um, almost drooling <laughs> with the wish to be there. So hopefully we'll see you all soon. Thank you for being here by your testimony, Cherry. God bless you. Well, I'm learning that sometimes God says it all to one person. He doesn't really need me to muck it up. But Terry just stated, I think, exactly the change to put it into some um, terms and, and what you've seen on the screen. I think one of the big things was that I had grown up, I had 40 years of addiction to drugs and alcohol. I added the days up. I think it comes to something like 13,000 days in which... I only had 700 sober, and I point that out because I just could not put a couple days together, and um, was well on my way to doing that when we got to Pigeon Forge. I, I put a couple notes down to just kind of piggyback onto what Cherry said. Galatians 2.20, which is one of the first verses I had memorized, really came to light when I began to substitute Joe in there for the pronouns. That says, you know, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives. Joe has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer Joe who lives. And I had some misrepresentation of what Scripture was versus what people said Scripture was. One of the things that when I went down there was that I understood the concept of not I but Christ. But I understood it intellectually. I understood it academically. I even on some levels understood it emotionally, but I did not understand it scripturally. And so when we got into some of the charts that you're seeing under the things of the spiritual rebirth of salvation, assurance, security, I was down with all that. The problem was the next one, which was acceptance. And I had a very difficult time accepting my acceptance. And the concept of rejection and identification was huge. And when I began to understand how rejection had affected my identification into the world, the flesh, and the devil, and not into Jesus Christ, man, my eyes were wide open. And I got a big message from Irish descent anyway, and then that became immediately open. And as Cherry said, we've been sold out that, you know, I now live all things for not I, but Christ. The good, the bad, whatever. He paid the price. And it's important that when we talk with Christians in particular, that we get across what Cherry said, which was to just pull the guilt. I think Oswald Chambers said it really well in one of his devotions. He said, we must be willing to annihilate, what a word, annihilate anything that has to do with our claims to our rights to ourselves and replace it with identification 100% in Jesus Christ and the cross and what took place at Calvary that day. And so, um, 
that was the big change down there. The dynamic of the group was incredible. When I watched Cherry along with a couple other people, I think of my friend Adam Hawk who was in there and, and Pastor Eddie and people like you, Austin, who were willing to share, you know, suddenly we began to see that we were okay once we began to accept our acceptance. So, um, you know, the keys for me being down at the conference were not just in the accuracy and eye-opening teachings, but they really were in the transformation of watching hearts, particularly from, well, good Christian people that were still walking in the wilderness they didn't understand the concept of putting their toe in a Jordan to get across into what was promised. So that was the big thing for me. The biggest thing was I went down there not being able to call Cherry my girlfriend and three months later, not only did I get the teachings of the conference, I got a wife out of it in January and we've been going strong ever since. So um, I'm just, I can't believe it's only been a year. I love the Woodward. I'm even learning to love Chuck Solomon to, to his toes, i got to tell you. <laughs> and, and, and one thing, just to shore this thing up, one of the things Chuck said that really blew me away was he was talking about a particular case that he had, and may have shared it with you, but when he used the expression that said, how about if I could teach you to have a funeral that you could still be around for afterwards, I was like, how do you do that? <laughs> um, the example of scripture versus folklore was that people would say, um, people would say, well, you need to learn to die daily. And when Chuck said, how are you going to keep having death after death after death? You need to do it once, pick up the cross daily. So anyway, that was my bridge, long version of what came out of that. But it's just, we've been going strong for a year. We're affiliated with Grace Fellowship. And... You know, my life has had some bumps to it that have been very difficult. But in the whole point of this thing has been the faithfulness of God. And not I, but Christ. It's all for Jesus. And I'm just so blessed that that, that began a year ago down in, um, to really take off down in Pigeon Forge. Mm. So anyway, that's, that's our little story. And, and I'm just glad to be able to talk with all you guys. I hope you're really enjoying this and that there's been friendship sports like we had that will last for a lifetime. So thank you for the opportunity to be able to share. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. God bless you. Okay. See you, Joe and Sherry. Thanks for your time. Shalom. Bye-bye. I have plenty of experience being a carnal Christian. Uh, <laughs> I think that I think when Paul mentions in, in Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, about these people with certain behaviors won't see the kingdom of heaven uh, or inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's not that they're not, that they're not going to heaven. It's, it's the kingdom that Jesus was talking about um, as the kingdom is within us. So the, it's the kingdom that connects all of us in the church. And that... It, living in that state it's impossible to experience that or enjoy that kingdom um, and I think the, it's not that the carnal Christian isn't going to heaven it's just that they miss out on, on the joy that comes with experiencing the kingdom um, I think of the, the story of the blind man where Jesus spit on his eyes and touched his eyes and, uh, and at first he didn't see very clearly he said that men were walking around his trees and then Jesus had to touch him a second time. 
And I think that some of us need a second touch from Jesus. And that uh, it's that second touch is like coming here to GFI for some of us. It's that second touch from the Lord that helps us to see things more clearly and maybe not live that carnal life anymore. You've done good. <laughs> we, we are here because of Joe and Cherry. And we were at a major crossroads in our lives and in our marriage that was going to end after 30 years a really bad crisis in our lives and Dan's life and um, we were friends with them at the time and, and, and it was unique because God brought them into our lives through going to Keswick we ministered at Keswick at the time we were ministers with a problem just like you were saying with but um, we started talking about everything that we never talked about for so long in our marriage and about Christianity. Things that you don't talk about Christianity because you don't want to criticize the church. I guess you feel like you don't want to say, oh, I'm going against it because then you don't feel like a Christian. Like everything is confusing. But we started to question the church. We started to question everything that we've ever been taught, ever believed, ever knew, and realized that it also, besides our past, had an impact on the way we were, we were handling everything in our lives. And after realizing like Joe and Cherry said, not I, but Christ, and, and that we could relinquish all these burdens and all these things that we carried for so long. And even thank God for like bringing us here and, and showing us this. And I just, I feel the same way as us, and I want to share it with others now because I don't want them to go through 30 years or however long of their Christian life, you know, just struggling and, and feeling this weight. That's it. Yeah, we, we heard about the workshop from Joe and Cherry. Um, I've been in addiction recovery ministry for 16 years. I've been in America's Keswick. And uh, when Pastor Bill Rawls, who was Cherry's dad, passed away, I had a retired pastor come to me and say, I'm worried that the victorious Christian life isn't going to be taught at Keswick. And I said, well, not on my watch. It will be taught at Keswick. And so the Lord put it on my heart to sit down and write a curriculum. But in order to do that, I had to study the exchanged life. And I studied Dr. Solomon's books and Andrew Murray and Oswald Chambers and Miles Stanford and, and a number of other Christian life writers. And so I have the privilege of teaching this at, uh, at the colony four days a week, usually in the dining room to 39 guys who are at a crisis in their life. And so I've been blessed with that. And uh, although I've been exposed to this, we did take a, a Keswick course in this when we, uh, Jeff Barbieri was at Keswick and we took a course in this. I was just so blessed yesterday with this. I got a ton of notes from what you discussed yesterday. And like Joe said, the scriptures that go along with it and the step-by-step -step progression is is monumental. And I'm chomping at the bit because I can't wait to get back. I We have an average of 160 guys come through the colony every year. So you, you multiply what God has taught me here and the opportunity that I'm going to not only share this at the public chapel in the pulpit at the churches that we go ministry, give ministry presentations to, which I've already been telling the churches that we don't need the 12 steps. We have the gospel and how dare us send people to the world for help from addiction when we have the gospel. Jesus said, I have come to proclaim liberty to the captives. And uh, it, that's exactly what we do. So I feel much better equipped to be able to do that. I'm excited about the, able, the uh, ability to do that. And recently, 
the january this year carol ann and i took on a ministry a keswick called families for christ and it's a couple's ministry and carol ann has been in ministry at children christian children's association but she's been always very hesitant to to come forward and take a greater role so i just kind of nudged her into this one and as part of as part of that participation is why keswick allowed us to come down here together and so I was really praying for a blessing for Carol Ann because I can, she hears me talk, she hears all the sermons, she's heard all this stuff. But, you know, sometimes you need another person to be able to say that to you in a way that you can receive it. And I think she hears so much from me that after a while she just shuts it off and says, you know what, I can't handle any more of this. And I can't blame her for that. But I am very grateful for uh, the counseling yesterday and for... Linda and the relationship that they've developed and, and uh, like Cherry, uh, Carol Ann was very blessed. And so it's it's been a manifold blessing to me, a, a blessing that's going to, it's just going to go out from here. I, uh, I sent an email to work this morning and in that email I said, this really confirms in me the fact that we need to continue to teach the victorious Christian life and the exchange life from the pulpit at Keswick and that we're on the right track with this curriculum and we need to make sure that it doesn't, it doesn't die. And so I'm prepared to go back and teach my chaplain step by step how to do this. And so this is going to get multiplied and it's going to grow from here. This is just a seed that's been planted. But... We had a wonderful week. All the warfare that led up to it, it's no wonder it's been a good week. <laughs> but uh, but we have really had a wonderful week, and we're very, very grateful for what you do at GFI. And thankful for the friendships that we've formed here. Craig gets the award for coming uh, the farthest distance, coming all the way from Africa. So, thank you. so we appreciate you being here. God is good. Yeah. And all of the time. Okay. Um, I want to bless God. I was much uh, very young, uh, sometime in the 80s, and staying a short time with my grandmother um, in the countryside. Um, my father was then in, in prison because he was a army pilot, U.S. trained, and the leader then of the country, who was a military leader, got a little bit intimidated that they had uh, trained young military officers. And normally on that side, such leaders are not too comfortable because uh, they feel threatened. So he rounded up a lot of young soldiers and praising them. So I had to uh, stay with my grandmother for the um, interior, but then she was a God-fearing person. Uh, she has every morning getting up uh, for devotion, making sure that we read scriptures and we pray. And we spend a lot of time praying for my father while he was in prison, in prison for a year and a half. Um, but during that time, going through scripture and, and praying, um, God began to engage me at that young time. The book of Proverbs was a book that was captivating because of its uh, moral wisdom. 
in a message that um, at that time that God kind of attracted him to was the fact that he was a morally excellent God um, who excelled and succeeded in everything he did um, because of his moral excellence. I mean, just at that point, that was a little bit that I knew. A um, few years later, left my grandmother and we came back to the city. And of course, I didn't know anything about, much about Jesus or being born again you know, or somewhere in the 90s. But then there was something that stuck in my heart. I wanted to know um, this morally good God because I, I needed, I had a desire to excel in life. I thought I could uh, try to search for him afterwards, how to find him. Um, I, I would read the Buddhist book that talk a lot about wisdom and, and all that. There were a few times I tried to sit down to kind of meditate and <laughs> get in touch with some higher consciousness and all that. Just in search of God. Uh, but sometime in the 90s, as our country went through a time of war, um, there was some, a move of God in Liberia that saw the gospel preached uh, at a massive level. Many came from the U.S. and had huge um, evangelism crusades, and thousands were receiving Christ in Liberia. And what it was during that time that I also had a personal encounter with Christ. I had gone to visit some friends that we always hung out and the guys were in Bible studies um, with Bible in front of them. So I had no alternative but to sit, listen to them. Yeah, and they asked to accept Jesus and well, I went up and said a prayer but then, of course, not too sure afterwards I went to serve it the next time there was another altar call again at, at the church. I went up again to accept Jesus. I mean, not, not knowing anything about being assured of your salvation. There was a brother who was very good at follow-up, and he helped me a lot. But what the Lord did was, um, there was an intense interest in reading the Bible, especially um, the Gospel and Ephesians and Colossians. There was a strong attachment, attraction to Christ, to the person of Christ. And, um, and I began to realize that God was answering the question of this search for this morally, um, this still way to know this morally excellent God who could help me excel in a moral way. And so the answer was not in a way, but in the way that he, he showed me Christ as the answer. Amen. That if you want to know me, and you want to um, be like me, then the answer is Christ, my son. So there was a lot of revelation on, the, on Christ as the word God, Christ as the son of God, um, um, his different attributes. I mean, during that time, sometimes when I have lights, so we use the candle, you will burn the candle all night reading the scriptures like that. And with respect to the surrender, the truth of surrender 
in identification is like they were coming um, fast and through these revelations. What the Lord showed me in, in Philippians was, fine, this is how you do it. It's not working it out yourself. But he said, you see Christ, he came down to earth to live the life here. He had to empty himself and allow me, his father, to live inside of him. So if you will live uh, the morally excellent life and excel and overcome in life situations, then you will have to um, empty yourself and allow Christ to live, to be the one living in you. This is how um, that the message in the king. So as it was coming, and because so fascinated by the personality of Christ, I began to just um, surrender myself, um, 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 the, uh, confess my identification. I mean, that was what I knew. I had saw it there that I can't do it on my own. I have to empty, uh, make sure that um, I'm empty for Christ to... So it was a whole lot of surrender as daily situations came my way and I understood that uh, if I allow Christ to be in control, then I will excel and overcome in the situations. And God began to cause it to manifest um, in my life. So it's like it was much more fascinating. Um, I was excited about it. It was something that I wanted to share with others that we could make Christ um, who was now wisdom applicable in our situations in life so we can overcome and excel. During that period of time that I came across um, Dr. Solomon's book, it was the old version of Christ Center Counseling. Uh, I was gathering some books somewhere for others to read and I came across this one and it seemed so um, like something that God had already begun to do as others I said, not being able to parse it together and articulate it, it's like, um, but God has been doing something like this in my life. So I took that book aside and said, well, it is for myself. Yeah. And, and started going through it, going through it, and started putting things into perspective in, in, in a way that I could articulate it for myself and continually making it applicable uh, um, processing it for me, yeah, all, all that time in my different situations of life. By the grace of God, until a few years later, somewhere around 2004, 2005, while in Ghana, I said, well, let me just put GFI, um, this ministry's um, information in the search engine on the internet, and I searched it out, GFI came up. I said, well, can I get in touch? I got in touch and like to Solomon responded and I see a bit of my own interest and desire until he kind of sent me a few materials, few books again, the updated ones and I still begin to work on myself, trusting God for an opportunity to be in a gathering that would get us safe and listen to him. And I also had a model um, from like the world from Brazil and I took a lot of time um, going through it. So I knew you, I knew your voice very well before I came here. <laughs> so, uh, um, so that has been my experience, and I bless God for the opportunity.
I think the the biggest thing is that, um, like Dr. Solomon said the other night was at the conference, was being able to articulate what has happened in my life. And I, I do counseling two days a week uh, with a biblical counseling center. And everybody that is, works at the counseling center has to come here. It's part of the training. And so um, it's been neat because God has used me to work in people's lives. And I've seen them exchange their lives, but I had no idea what happened. And so um, last Sunday before I came, I was reading through the book and the spiritual journey map. It was so neat to be able to look at it and say, holy cow, that's where I'm at. And then that week I was able to share that with a couple people and the lights turned on in their head and they understood I'm in the wilderness. Or there was one particular gentleman, he's like, wow, I'm in Canaan. And it was, it was a tremendous blessing to them and to me, the work that you guys do and the book that you wrote and how God has used that in my own life. And one of the things that really struck me came from the conference, and I believe you said it, uh, Dr. Woodard, was that the Bible assumes that we are in Christ and he is in us when we read it. And I think about my life and I think, no wonder, you know, I, I, you know, I lived in the wilderness for so long. It's because I'm reading a book that assumes I'm someplace that I'm not. And I'm trying to put something into practice that's not even possible. So, well, it's possible. You know what I mean. <laughs> the power's not there. And so it's been just tremendous to me. And it was really neat to have my wife here for those first two days because the lights were going on in her head. And uh, we've had a lot of really good conversations. And uh, When you think about giving your testimony, you remember the conference that talked about the three crosses on Golgotha? And we talked about in the patterns to the cross, you got the cross of Christ's death for us. That's being your Savior. Uh, the Lordship of Christ, uh, the total surrender, and then the Galatians 2.20 cross, your co-death and co-resurrection, when that became meaningful. So if you can start thinking about sharing your testimony with all three dimensions of the cross. Uh, I really don't know. Uh, I've had a lot of questions in my life about the Lord and about, as I've told John, I have not saw before, I can understand being crucified with Christ and we came last year to the first part of it, which y'all went through over the weekend, right? Mm -hmm. And from that time on, a light just came on that I understood for the first time being crucified with Christ. And I'd been watching baptisms in our churches. When you would go down, you go under the water, you're being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But you're being raised to walk in newness of life. Mm -hmm. You went down in that water, you drowned it or buried the old thing. If you really, if you really went right, you buried that old life right there. You came up, you was in newness of life, and it really—I mean, a light bulb just came on in my head. It's something I'd never seen before, but it's true. And I just—I just think we've been in church here with Dr. Solomon and John Nempo. Since '02, I guess, and I've heard him say, you know, our churches and preachers are not preaching the cross. And for a long time, I said, "What do you mean you're not preaching the cross? We hear these good sermons every day, you know." And all I've ever heard and thought about <clears throat> like that, I'd say, "You need to get up and preach hellfire and brimstone," you know. And well, that's good too in evangelism, but 
when you really get understand the cross and being crucified with Christ through that, I mean, it, it's great. And, and my, I just have to say my eyes was open here through that. And if, they, if any of you hadn't understood that, you need to, <laughs> you need to take the second dose because there's <laughs> something there that would just change your life. I've been in church since I was my, I was uh, raised when I was born in the uh, family as a sharecropper in Mississippi. We started going to church back then in mules and wagons, and I mean we come up the hard way, and I've been in church ever since. But all this time, all these years, you might say, may have been almost wasted because we didn't have opportunity like y'all have here and like we've had here and I have to really understand the depth of what the Lord really has for us. And now I've understood it. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm perfect because I'm not. And I'm a sinner, but praise God. He's cleansed and made me whole and promised me eternity with Him. And just what happened last yesterday in, in our nation, I just say as I'm as old or probably older than most in here. Uh, we're going to have to not look at Obama and hate him, whether we like it or not. He's our president. We're going to have to pray for that man. We're going to have to pray for Washington, our leaders. Because in this little black book, God told us it's going to happen. But we just got to keep our hearts and minds and our eyes focused on him. And he's told us for sure, I'll take care of you. Can you not understand? Just live for me. You know, and if I died for you. I don't mean to preach, but that's just that's just my my life and I I hate that I did lose so much time. Again, I'm gonna say some of you may be in this ship. <clears throat> I came up as a, a youngster heading our youth in our church. I sang in choir, I sang in quartets, I've been brotherhood director, R-A-G-O-R-A-G-A, -E -E I've been through all of this. But I still had missed this point that I really needed. If I'd had it back then, I, I could have probably been worth a whole lot more for the Lord. So if somebody is in that, in that boat, you need, to, you need to get out of it. Try walking on the water. <laughs> Yeah, when I was 25, I, I was born again, and uh, and and then at 45, I, I, I'd wandered through the wilderness for 20 years, and I'd actually gotten below before I had before. And at, and at 45, I surrendered myself to Christ. I, I had given my hold to Him, and at that point, He began to use me. I, he never once brought anybody by my path for 20 years, and now he almost within a week. He started using me, and uh, and then a later, at a friend of mine uh, had had given me some material that I reluctantly read, and finally started reading after two years, and that was about eight years ago. Then I I can remember the the roadside park on the side of the highway. I was listening to a tape that where my identity just went ah the big aha of identity, and then it was still wasn't until I went to a a a, a, a workshop in Bandera. Uh, we, we're guessing two and a half, three years ago. We, we're not sure. It's not important. But uh, 
But at that workshop, it was the entire thing was a, 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 an aha moment for me. I, I didn't experience anything new, but I, I knew how then how to articulate what uh, to others uh, the three stages. And, and, and I was... And I have been able to, and, and, and I'm blessed that I get to give a sermon time to time every few weeks at places. And, and I've, now that's just about all I talk about. And, and uh, hoping that others will catch it too. But the little nugget that I caught this, this week, and I read it again this morning, and that is that on our, when we use the, the line diagram and when we're, uh, when we're of Adam, there's a dot, there's a big end to it. I don't know if how intentional that was when they published it, but the end has a, a large dot, that's Adam, and that's our past. And then we live from an Adam's life, and we have a pretty nasty path. I say guys drag around a nasty sack, girls drag around a pretty little red wagon, but they both stink, as Martha says. We stink us. But anyway, and, but now, and, and I think this is a, a, a revelation I would want someone to learn quickly, is the fact that now they're lying is a, is a perfect, pure, holy, righteous saint line, and 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 that you don't have a past. You have the past of Christ, and 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 there's it's endless on both ends. And and I just see that as was a little nugget revelation that I want to make sure I get across that to people. And uh, and and it's just it just I, I I wanted to share that. So God bless you. Thank you, Brother Ken. And it's neat how as we marinate in the truth during the workshops, the Holy Spirit just gives us new insights like that one can that are just so meaningful. So, uh, praise God. Anybody else want to share something God's been showing you during the workshop or a bit about your, your journey getting here?